1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. It is required that those of us who've been given a trust must prove faithful. We're going to come back to that. There are basically two reasons why. As followers of Jesus, we give our tithes and offerings. One is it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. It's part of our discipleship. It's a biblical mandate, and when we give our tithes, a tenth of, a tenth of what we've been given back to God, and our offerings, our, our generous gifts above our tithes, it strengthens, it deepens our faith. And um, it's a recurring theme in the Bible that our, our finances are tied to our, our spirituality. Jesus, in 16 of his parables, talks about money. So the first reason is it's, uh, it's part of our discipleship, to give our tithes and offerings. The second reason, though, is that through our tithes and offerings, we get to support our churches, whatever church you're part of. We get to support our church and our church's part in God's mission uh, to the world. And I want to focus on that second reason this morning, that, that through our tithes and offerings, we get to support our church and our church's place in God's mission to the world. Let me first tell you about where your money goes. When you give money to First Baptist Huntsville, 12% of that goes to what we call missions. That means crossing boundaries in Jesus' name. And you get, you get the option as to where your missions dollars go. The first 2%, when you give, when you give anything, 2% goes to what we call FBC or First Baptist Church missions. And in the end, that pot this last year was about $400,000. That helps to support. It doesn't fully support, but it helps to support missionaries in Papua New Guinea and Uganda and Belgium. Some difficult places around our country like Graffiti Church in Lower East Side in New York City. It goes to partner with 16 local ministry partners like uh, HAP, Huntsville Assistance Program, Kids to Love, and Mary Mac Hall. And let me talk just a moment about Mary Mac. Mary Mac, of course, is a performance center for people with special needs. We're partnering with them this year to do, on December 10th and 11th, a Christmas program, First Baptist Church in Mary Mac. We need you to uh, volunteer. We need volunteers because everybody in the performance has a buddy. And uh, we need you to buy tickets and go. At the end of those two performances, I will stand and I will say to those who are there, look, we're going to have a conversation and I will give them dates about what it would mean to launch a fresh expression or new form of church in Huntsville, particularly for families who have members, siblings, parents, children with, uh, with special needs. So we partner with 16 local wonderful ministry partners. So that's 2%. That's FBC Missions. What about the other 10%? Well, you get to decide where that goes. You can designate it to the Southern Baptist Convention and through mission, to missions through that national partner. You can designate it to the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship and to missions through that national partner. Or you can say, I want all my 12% to go to FBC or First Baptist Church missions. And it's your call. And if you don't make a call, if you don't designate 
then I just sit in my office and I decide where it should go. No, I don't do that. If you don't designate, then our accountant designates for you. How other people are giving is how yours is divvied up, right? So if, if how other people designate, which she takes that average and that's how you are, that's how yours is divvied up. But, but 12% of what you give goes to missions beyond our walls. But what about the other 88%? That's what I, that's what I really want to zero in on uh, this morning. That, that 8, 88% that you give to support your church and its part in God's mission. Let's start, let's start with the pandemic. The pandemic was a major disruption to our world. And churches uh, were no exception. Many churches are struggling and not fully recovering. Two days ago in Friday's Wall Street Journal, there was a headline that read, Churches changed during the pandemic and many people aren't going back. Church may never be the same. And the truth is, there are lots of folks who may never go back to their churches, including this one. Frankly, First Baptist Church of Huntsville is doing better than most. And since we're not being broadcast live, I can brag a little bit and won't feel badly about it. We are at 70% of our pre-COVID worship attendance. And that's that's, that's better than the national average. You have been faithful financially. Our our. Budget years run from October 1 through the end of September. And so, you know, COVID broke out in spring of 1919. And so, or it seems like 1919, 2019. And so for the, the 19, 2020 uh, budget, we actually exceeded budget because even though there were lots of weeks we didn't meet, you gave faithfully. Then in the 2021 budget, we met and exceeded a little bit our budget. And now a week, uh, last week, we're just now a month into this year's budget, but we were ahead of budget and you've been so faithful. And so this is a good time to talk about finances. Nobody is, nobody is uh, panicking. So you've been, you've been faithful, but church, church has changed since um, March of 19, uh, 2019, when the pandemic really began to shut things down, uh, 90 people uh, have joined our church, 25 of them through baptism. Now, that's not quite on the pace that we were on, but given the fact that we were shut down so long and so many people are not gathering in large crowds to have had 90 people join us uh, since March, uh, in, in this 18 months, since March of 2019, I think is, is great. And yet, Friday's Wall Street Journal headline uh, is true. Churches may never be the same, and many people are not going back. Besides that, life in general looks different now. Lots of people, for example, have, have simplified their calendars, their schedules. They're, they're saying, I'm just not going to be as busy as I was before. Lots of folks are working from home permanently, which means they can work from they can live wherever they want to live. And so our, our society is now even more mobile than we ever have been. Anxiety is now higher. Experts say the negative impact of the pandemic on our mental health, individually and corporately, the negative impact on our mental health is probably going to be far-reaching. The angst brought on by the pandemic made our problems worse. Racial tensions were felt most or more deeply. Political divisions were felt most deeply. And our trust 
our trust in institutions, our trust in authority, our trust in each other. Is it maybe an all-time low, at least in my lifetime? These changes brought about, by, brought about by the tsunami, excuse me, by the pandemic have been compared to a tsunami, to a, a tidal wave that came rushing onto the shores and, and wreaked havoc. It is like a tsunami. It is like a tidal wave. And we have two, oppor- we, we have two choices when it comes to that tidal wave. We can curse it or we can ride it. We could curse it. You know, King Canute, you may have heard of King Canute. He was an 11th century Danish king who at least, it may be an apocryphal story, but the legend has it that he believed he had such power that he stood on the beach with people behind him one day and commanded the tide not to roll in. Well, it did. You know, we can, we can, we can say to the pandemic and all, we can say, stop it. Don't wreak any more havoc. Don't change us anymore. Let's go back to where we were. That probably is not going to help. We can curse the tide or we can ride the tide. And I think we're positioned to ride it. Do you know where the word opportunity comes from? It comes from an old Latin phrase, ab Porto. It was a nautical term for ships that were poised out in the, in the water, headed to port, but because of the depth of their hull, they couldn't go in at low tide. They had to sit there and wait for the tide to rise, and then they would sail to their destination. Opportunity comes from that, waiting to ride the tide in. When we moved to Richmond, I met a, there was a man in our church named Ron Moore. I asked Ron, what do you do for a living? He showed me his business card. It read, Opportunity Identification, the coolest business card I've ever seen. Ron is a consultant with entrepreneurial kind of startup businesses. But Circuit City, remember them? Circuit City contracted with Ron several years ago. They said, you know, we want a new division in our company we don't want to manufacture anything, but we want, we want a new s- source of income. And so Ron went off and dreamed up CarMax. He's the brains behind CarMax. Opportunity identification. That's what ought to be on our church business cards. Ephesians 5.16 says, make the most of every opportunity. And frankly, new realities provide new opportunities. And that's where we find ourselves. Three weeks ago, we gathered in um, the Life Center for what we call a leadership retreat. It was about three hours with personnel committee and finance committee, missions committee, trustees, leadership council, deacons, and others. And I'm going to share with you three things that I shared with them that I, I think provide for us New opportunities based on new realities. Number one, the digital world, social media, the internet, even TV, used to be tools to to attract people to 600 Governors Drive. But now, social media, the digital world, the electronic world has become the mission field. 
Lots of people moved during the pandemic to the internet. Economically, their business moved. Socially. Now, for me, a guy that loves being around people, I don't get it. But there are lots of people who have mentally, socially, economically moved to the internet. That's where they live. So we've got to figure out, and we're trying to figure out, we're, we're alongside, I, I think a few churches trying to figure out how do we reach people, how do we disciple people digitally. That's the first thing. Second thing is related, and that's TV church. If you've seen TV church, it's a 30-minute program that goes out on Sunday mornings on TV, and then during the, during the week on, on, on the interweb, and um, it, it's, it's, it's geared toward people who are not accustomed to the uh, church culture. Forty years ago, over 40 years ago, members of this church decided that this service would be broadcast live. And it was a game changer for First Baptist Huntsville. I believe 40 years from now, and I'm going to stick around to see that it happens. Forty years from now, I think people are going to look back at 2021 and say that when they started TV Church, it was a game changer for First Baptist. We're looking at some big moves. Uh, I, I th- we're looking at how do we gather people around their TV sets and their computer screens to look at this together. Uh, I believe TV Church is, 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 a, is a, it's a, we live with new realities. I think TV Church is a new opportunity. The third one is probably the most unusual for us. I believe it's time we start supporting local missionaries. I told you a while ago, our FBC missions fund has about $400,000 in it. It did last year. I'm sure it will this year. You know, we're an urban church. We're, we're at the heart of the city. And, and urban churches have different responsibilities and opportunities than suburban churches do. Life is different in the city. What if we were to launch... Or what if we were to support a missionary, maybe a part-time missionary, to people on the streets? What if we were to pay the, 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 the rent for some of you who would move into apartments? They're just exploding all over Huntsville. And apartment dwellers are far, far less likely to be engaged in a church than are suburbanites. So what if we were to move some people strategically, intentionally into those apartments, pay your rent, and you live so strategically that you engage people in conversations and Bible studies? Our missions committee is working on it. I think it's time we support local missionaries. We live with new realities. We're not in Kansas anymore. But new realities bring new opportunities. Jeanette Hurd died a few months ago, and I had the opportunity of officiating at her funeral. We've known Jeanette for a long, long time. I had the opportunity to go through her, some of her papers, things she had collected. And she had written a quote in her own handwriting that was so significant that I said to myself, folks at First Baptist are going to hear this, and you are hearing it now. She wrote, and I don't know who is the author of the quote, Jesus didn't command the whole world to go to church, but he did command the whole church to go to the world, or or the church to go to the whole world. 
And I, you know, this feels like a mission output. 600 Governors Drive used to be home base. This is where we would gather and we'd sing and we'd pray and we'd preach and we'd give and we'd pray for missionaries out there. But now it feels like a mission outpost. Our society is changing so quickly. The secularization of our culture is happening so rapidly that this feels increasingly like a mission outpost. And if I can paraphrase that quote, uh, the whole post-pandemic world is not going to go to church. But the church better go uh, to the whole post-pandemic world. Helen Keller, at that um, retreat, that leadership retreat, I quoted or shared a quote that's attributed to Helen, Helen Keller, which says, a bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. A bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. We have come to a bend in the road. but It's not the end of the road unless we fail to make the turn. And, and, it's, and here's the thing. We will not make the turn if we're strapped for money. It's just as plain as that. We will not make the turn with if we're strapped for money, if we're always afraid, if our highest priority ever becomes minimizing our expenses, we're in trouble. And please hear me, our finance committee helps us to be prudent. They look over things carefully and this church spends wisely. But if we ever are panicking over money, we'll be in trouble. Carl Walinda fell Carl Walenda was part of the Flying Walendas, the, ac- the, the acrobats. In, in, in 1978, Carl had a, was walking on a wire in San Juan, Puerto Rico, stretched between two buildings, 75 feet in the air. Carl Walenda fell to his death, and the experts say it's because he was looking down. His wife was quoted after his death interviewed after his death. She said, all Carl thought about for three straight months prior to it was falling. It seemed to me that he put all his energies into not falling rather than walking the tightrope. That's such a popular story that in some business leadership places, they'll talk about the Walinda factor, that if you you focus on not failing, you won't succeed. Can you imagine what it would be like around here if we focus on not failing? What What would finance committee meetings be like with Bunch of hand wringing. Oh my goodness, are we going to be able to pay the light bill? What would trustee meetings be like? Oh, what if, what if another heating and air conditioning unit goes out? We'll have to cut the pastor's salary in half. That would be a tragedy. So we. <laughs> what would business meetings be like? This past Wednesday, we had a great business meeting. We heard reports about new initiatives. We, we took $100,000 from excess funds that you gave, excess gifts that you gave to budget last year. We took $100,000, applied it to our debt. It was a great business meeting. What would business be- meetings be like if we're like Carl Walinda? Oh, what are we going to do? We have come to a bend in the road. But we're making the turn. We will not, however, successfully navigate that turn if we're strapped for finances. Back to 1 Corinthians 
It is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. You and I are trustees of First Baptist Church Huntsville. We don't own the church. Jesus owns the church. We didn't found the church. Jesus founded the church. We are trustees. We are managers. We are stewards of the church. 3,000 years ago, God spoke to his people in Deuteronomy 30, and he said, I set before you life and the death. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And that's our choice. Life or death. I say we choose life. For our generation and for generations to come. And part of choosing life, part of being a trustee, is being financially responsible. You have been spectacular. But let's not stop now.